Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Hey everyone, I'm Jeff, one of the pastors at Salt Church. Welcome, great to be here with you. How about I pray as we dive in? Let's pray. Our great Heavenly Father, thank you that you speak, you give us your word, you tell us how we can know you and love you and please you. Please speak to us now, Lord. Help us to hear from you and be changed by you. Amen. Uh, One thing that our world doesn't lack is experts. There are experts for basically everything. There are endless books, endless podcasts, videos, conferences, articles, telling you how to succeed in life. Uh, There are endless experts, and and these things are all bestsellers. You know, they're the most watched, most viewed, most downloaded, most shared, because we all want to succeed. No one wants to fail. No one wants to waste their one short life. No one wants to get to the end of their life and look back at everything you've achieved and say, what was the point? It was worthless. It was futile. It was a waste of time. No one wants to do that, and so we latch on to the advice of experts, and they give us the recipe for success, how to succeed in the boardroom, in the classroom, in the bedroom, on the sports field, at your job, at the gym, with your money, with your children, with your food, basically name anything. There's an article and a best-selling book and a podcast series that goes along with it telling you how to succeed, giving you the, the secret, the recipe for success. And today, in this passage, we're going to get a recipe for success, but it's different to all the others. It's guaranteed to work. And that's not just clickbait. It's guaranteed to work. Why? Because it includes one fundamental fact about the world that almost all the other experts leave out. And the fact is God. You can't have success without God. The secret for success is God. And the good news is we don't have to listen to 20 hours of content and read four books to get this. We get it in just six sentences in five verses in a song by a king that was written in 750 BC, but which is incredibly relevant for us 3,000 years later. Uh, Here it is. Let's dive into it. What is the key? What is the secret to success? Have a look with me, Psalm 127. Um, Grab a Bible, follow along. You can grab it online if you need to. Here's what it says. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. Straight up. We get the secret for success. All the honest hard work in the world is pointless, empty, futile, and utter waste of time unless God works with you. Verse 1, unless God is also building, what you're building will fail. The tradies might be working hard with the best tools, expert advice, but your knockdown rebuild won't work. Your renovations won't succeed. None of the high-rise apartments that are going up across Wollongong will ever be completed and opened unless God builds them. Verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. 
all the alarms and clocks in the wor- and, and locks in the world, all of the police patrolling streets, all of the government policies to stimulate the economy and create a safe and prosperous Australia, they're all useless, futile and utter waste of time unless God is watching over us and our city and our country and our planet. We can't have safety and security and protection unless God brings it. It even gets as personal and specific as our sleep. Just look at verse 2. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. It's hard to sleep if you're afraid that your plans will crumble overnight. It's hard to sleep if you're overwhelmed by fears and fear that you won't have enough food or enough money or enough safety or health. If you're worried about those things, of course, you you stay up late. You rise early. You toil long and hard. But if God is the one who gives success, you sleep easy. Because while you're asleep, he's not. He's in control watching over us. What's the secret to success? If you want to succeed, the secret is rely on God. The secret is to rely on God and not yourself. Or if I put it in the negative, you're doomed to fail unless you rely on God and not yourself. Uh, And notice the God who's pictured here for us in this song. Uh, There's lots of debate in our culture about whether there even is a God. Is there even a God out there? And if there is a God out there, what is that God like? Are there many gods or is there one God? Is God distant, like a watchmaker who kind of just winds up the world and lets it spin? Or is he involved? Is God actively involved in the world? Uh, Is God a force like in Star Wars, or is God personal, like you and me, you can know God? Well, this song answers many of those questions about God. Uh, First up, yes, there is a God. Uh, He's called the Lord here. Look with me, verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house. Uh, And Lord, it's not a word we use very often, you know, it's common in England, like the Lord of the manor, and there's drug lords and crime lords and stuff. But the Lord is, is a ruler. A Lord is a ruler. They rule something. Uh, they rule a country or oversee an area. And this Lord, in this song, rules the universe. Because notice, it's the Lord, not a Lord, unless the Lord builds the house. This is the most exalted Lord, the one and only God. And this God is not a force, but a person. He, not it. It's He. And He can make things and build things and give things. Forces can't do that. Only people, persons can do that. And He's not a distant watchmaker, unseeing, uncaring what's happening in the world. He's actively involved in our lives, even in our sleep, even in our families. Because the song actually goes in a bit of a weird direction. I don't know if you... Notice that as we read through it. Look at verse 3 with me. It says, Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Uh, What is that saying? Um, I think it's saying that children, kids are a a gift from God. Uh, It's a great blessing from God to have children. More than that, kids are a useful gift from God. Uh, Like how arrows are useful for a warrior, 
kids are useful because if you have kids and you're in this healthy family, they support you. You you can support each other when you're facing difficulties. Uh, When you're battling against opponents, it's not just you versus them. Your kids have got your back. They're on your side. But it is kind of odd, isn't it? Like, unless the Lord builds the house, labor in vain. And by the way, how great are kids? Like, what, what is the connection there? You know, um, I'm going to make you do some work. I've talked for a while. Your turn. Chat with the person next to you. Why do you think this comes next? Why do you think it says, you know, secret for success, rely on God, unless the Lord builds the house, and how great are kids? What's the connection there? Have a chat. Brief chat with the person next to you. Why does this song say this next? All right, coming back, everybody. I'm sure you wrestled deeply with all the intricacies in the 40 seconds that I just gave you then. Uh, Coming back, coming back. It's the same point, isn't it? Isn't it making the same point? You can't build a building unless God builds it. You can't build a family unless God builds it. You can't build a loving, healthy family. Did you get it? I don't know know what that means. (laughs) Oh, that's good. (laughs) Because uh, I think it's the same point. If you want to succeed in anything in life, rely on God and not yourself. Or rely on the God who's personal, who's actively involved, the sovereign Lord of everything and everyone. And this is the most fundamental truth about the world. The most fundamental truth about the world is that it's God's world. And so without God in the picture, any recipe for success that leaves God out of the picture can't possibly hope to succeed. Without God building, what you're building can't stand. Without God bringing safety, you can't be safe. Without God granting sleep, you can't have rest. Without God giving children, you can't produce a family. And I think if you're here and you're a Christian, I'm sure you agree wholeheartedly with this. But it's very different to what our culture says. Our culture says you can do anything... And you can do it on your own. You can achieve success by yourself. And I am deeply impacted by our culture. I'm sure you are too. Um, I have three kids. On Thursday, I took my two boys with me to the shops. It's getting colder. We needed to buy some new clothes for winter, some pants and jumpers. So I took them along to the shops, trying to buy these things, and we succeeded. Uh, Spoiler alert, we succeeded. Everything we were trying to get, we got And it wasn't until I got home that I realized I didn't ask God to give me success. In fact, it didn't even cross my mind to ask God to give me success. Worse than that, I'd been reading this very song and it didn't even cross my mind to ask God to give me success. I just assumed I could do it on my own. The voice of our culture is so loud and it so easily drowns out the truth that we need to rely on God. And if I was to sum up our culture's hope, our culture's message in one phrase, I think it's that we are self-made men and self-made women. I'm going to spend a bit of time on this because I think this is actually a bit of a big but undetected idol for us. Uh, a danger that's affecting our Christian lives. But have you heard this phrase, self-made man, self-made woman? Uh, It's the idea that someone comes from a disadvantaged background, out of poverty, everything's against them, nothing's going their way. 
but by sheer hard work and perseverance, they rise from rags to riches. No one else helped them. They did it all themselves. They're a self-made human. And the man who popularized this phrase is actually a really great example of it. Uh, His name is Frederick Douglass. He was a slave in America in the 1800s, and he escaped from slavery. He taught himself how to read and write, and he became a famous writer and speaker. And he spent his lifetime fighting for freedom for his fellow slaves and for equal rights for everybody. And in the 1860s, across the 1860s, he gave a series of speeches all across America, and they were called Self-Made Men, the speeches that he gave. And he kind of popularized this idea. Here's a bit of a quote from one of his speeches. He said, Self-Made Men are the men who, under peculiar difficulties and without the ordinary helps of favoring circumstances, have attained knowledge, usefulness, power, and position. If they have traveled far, they have made the road on which they have traveled. If they have ascended high, they have built their own ladder. It's pretty inspiring, isn't it? I find that very inspiring. But it's a very popular idea, and this idea has had a huge impact. This belief is why 160 years later, we have endless self-help books and podcasts and videos and conferences, and your social media feed is littered with this. This is why we have endless numbers of experts giving us the recipe for success. Because the belief that sits underneath all of that is that we can be self-made. We can achieve anything if we just have the right advice and enough grit and hard work. This is why people tell children, you can do anything and be anything if you just believe in yourself and keep on trying. This is why we have all these quotes to inspire us, uh, all these dramatic quotes. Here's three of them. Edward, George Edward Woodbury, a uh, British poet, said, Defeat is not the worst of failures. Not to have tried is the true failure. That's inspiring, isn't it? Or Nelson Mandela, it always seems impossible until it's done. Pretty massive statement from the man who fought apartheid and saw the end of it. Or this one from Bill Murray, whatever you do, always give 100% unless you're donating blood. (laughs) These are inspiring things, aren't they? And the belief that runs through all of this is that we can succeed on our own. We create and cause our own success. That's the belief of our culture. And it is completely wrong. It is completely false. There's a tiny kernel of truth to it. Sometimes we don't succeed because we give up. But a self-made man, a self-made woman just doesn't exist. There's no such thing. Uh, For starters, we all benefit from other people. At the very least, we all benefit from the work of other people. Um, Elizabeth Warren is a U.S. senator, and she was addressing a group of people in 2011 and uh, was recorded in a video, went viral, and she was explaining how someone builds a factory and they get rich and they say, I did it on my own, I'm self-made. And this is what she says, there is nobody in this country who got rich on his own. Nobody. You build a factory out there, good for you. But I want to be clear, you moved your goods to market on the roads the rest of us paid for. You hired workers the rest of us paid to educate. You were safe in your factory because of police forces and fire forces that the rest of us paid for. 
You didn't have to worry that marauding bands would come and seize everything at your factory and hire someone to protect against this because of the work the rest of us did. It's a great point, especially her use of the word marauding. Uh, But it's a great point, isn't it? We all benefit from the work of others. None of us do this on our own. Uh, Donald Trump, you know it's going to be good when I talk about Donald Trump. Do you know Donald Trump actually claims that he is a self-made man? One of the many crazy things that he claims. Uh, Even though he grew up with his father as the head of the Trump real estate empire, and he grew up in wealth, he thinks that he got from rags to riches on his own. Because when he started his own real estate empire, his dad wanted him to stand at his own two feet. He wanted him to make make a name for himself. And so he barely gave him anything to get started investing. All he gave him was a mere $1 million to get started with investing. He is a self-made man, if you listen to Donald Trump. Uh, And it's pretty arrogant, isn't it? Who would have thought Donald Trump arrogant? But it's so arrogant, isn't it? It's so arrogant to downplay or to fail to see or or to refuse to thank the ones who actually contribute to our success. Especially God the God who causes all success. Because unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Yet here I am at the shops, expecting I can do it on my own. And not simply at the shops, many parts of my life. All through the week, I listen to the loud voice of our culture and I fail to see God's hand behind it all. I fail to see the God who says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. James 1.17. From Jesus in Matthew 5, who says, Be children of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Or Acts 14. The living God has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Life, joy, everything that's good comes from God. But I find it so easy to take for granted what God gives me. I find it so easy to fail to see His hand at work and behind it all. I find it so easy to minimize His role and up my role and all the things that I did to contribute to my success. I find it so easy to refuse to trust God when He doesn't give me what I want and to forget to thank God when He does give me what I want. But no house was ever built, no million dollars was ever earned, no child was ever born without God doing it. The God who is real and living and actively involved and personal, not a force and generous to everyone. What does it look like to succeed? If you want to succeed, rely on God, not yourself. And what does relying on God look like? What does that actually look like to rely on God? Well, at the least, it looks like acknowledging God, thanking God for His generosity, seeing that God is at work behind everything. But more than that, I think it means depending on God. Uh, Let me show you another Bible verse from James 4. I think it looks like depending on God like this. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. This is just a perfect description of what our culture says. I'm going to do it. It'll succeed. Perfect. This is what I'm going to do. What does God say? Why 
You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. This is more than simply acknowledging that God is there or simply thanking God. This is trusting and depending on God. This is submitting our plans and our hopes and dreams to God's plans. And it's grounded on a truth. It's grounded on that fundamental fact about the world that this is God's world, that our plans are doomed to failure unless God wills them to succeed. And our plans are certain to come off if God wills them to succeed. So what do we do? How do we rely on God? We pray, we ask things, we bring things to God. Pray the next time you go to the shops. Pray for a parking space. Pray about your health. Pray about your Christian growth. Pray about the salvation of your friends. Pray about anything and everything. Rely on God in all the parts of your life, all through the week, and drown out that false message of our culture. But I think more even than that, pay attention to what God himself is building. If you want to succeed, be part of what God is building. Because that's the right way to treat God. Uh, you wouldn't ask a cop to help you break the law and expect that they'd like, thumbs up, be there with you. Uh, you wouldn't ask a vegetarian if they could help you out by finishing the meat that's left on your plate at the end of a meal. They're not going to do that because it's the opposite of what they stand for. They're building something and you're asking them to undermine what they're building. It's the same thing with God. God will not give to us. God will not do for you things that God hates and are the, that are the opposite of God's will. So as you understand God's will, as you see what God's building, be part of what God is building. Ask God to do for you and to give to you the things that God wills, the things that God loves, and what fits with His purposes. That's the right way to treat God. But it's also exciting, because uh, what God's building can't possibly fail. It can't possibly fail. What God's building is guaranteed to succeed because God himself is pulling it off. Uh, I'm sure if I got you to shout out, we all have things we'd love God to do for us. There's all things we'd love God to, to bring about. But what is the thing most of all that God wills and that God will cause to succeed? It's actually in the song too when we see who wrote it. Have a look with me at the very start of this song. Underneath the heading, Psalm 127, it says, A Song of Ascents of Solomon. Uh, this is actually part of the song. Uh, sometimes the people who translate the Bible, they add in extra headings for us to help us make sense of what's going on. But in all the Psalms, that little bit that's in italics at the start, that's actually part of the song. Uh, and it's really significant that Solomon wrote this. Who is Solomon? Solomon was a king in ancient Israel, and he was the king that built the temple the temple where God lived with his people, which gives a whole different spin on this song. Read it again with me. When verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. That is a, a general truth. Unless God builds the house, it won't succeed. But it's also about building God's house, building the temple of God, where God lives with his people. And when the second part of verse 1 
Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. That, that's a, not only a general truth, it's also about Jerusalem, the city where the temple stood, the place where God promised to keep, them, keep his people safe from their enemies. And when verse 3 says, children are heritage from the Lord, offspring are reward from him, that is a general truth, but it's also talking about the growth of God's people. Because when more Jewish people were born, they were born into God's family, joining God's household, becoming God's kids. Another way to put all this, God's big project is building the church. And when you hear church, don't think building, think the people in the building. Think the household, not the house. The people who live in the household, the the people of the household. God's big project is to build his household, to save people to be his. So not surprisingly, when Jesus comes, God in the flesh, not, not God as a distant watchmaker, not even involved, unseeing, uncaring, but, but God so actively involved in our lives that he became one of us. When Jesus comes, what does he say? Come with me, Matthew chapter 16. Let's look at that other passage. Flick your Bibles open, Matthew chapter 16. What does Jesus say? Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, which means rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. What is Jesus building? He says, I will build my church. And he's building it on the foundation of Peter, and the apostles, building it on the rock of Peter and the other apostles who witnessed Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection and they go and share it with the whole world so other people know that you can be saved. And he's building it, Jesus is building his church on the words that Peter just said uh, back in verse, uh, verse 16 where he says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. The, the truth that Jesus is the Messiah, he's the Savior. Jesus is the Lord of Psalm 127. And there is no more exciting project to be part of than building God's church because it can't fail. God will build his church. Nothing can overcome it. How is he going to do it? It's in verse 21. Look at this one, verse 21. This is how Jesus builds the church. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. How he builds the church is he does it by dying in our place. I'm sure if you're a Christian, you know this news, but hear it once again. He does it by dying in our place uh, to save me and you from the judgment that we deserve from God. The judgment we deserve for the way we take for granted what God gives to us. For how we fail to see God's hand behind everything. For how we decrease his role and increase our own role in our successes. 
for the way we forget to thank God when he gives us success and then refuse to trust God when he doesn't give us success. For the way and the times when we plead with God to give us and do for us the things that he hates and are the opposite of his will. Jesus dies to take God's wrath for all of that. And Jesus said to his father, not my will, but your will be done. And then Jesus is raised from the dead and he sends out his apostles and the message of salvation goes out to all nations and the church grows by the thousands, not by simply adding in new ethnic Jewish children into the family, but as people from every country and tribe and language hear the message of salvation in Jesus and join God's household, become God's people, belong to God. That's what God is building, the church. And since that's what God is building, the, the church, the household of God, the people of God, be part of what God is building. And let me speak to you a second. If you're here and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, kind of exploring what, what's this God thing? What does Jesus have to say about life? Um, let me encourage you to be part of God's building, be part of God's big project by joining in his family by becoming one of his children, asking Jesus to save you. Uh, I mean, no one wants to waste their one short life. No one wants to get look back at the end of your life, look back at all you've achieved and say, what was the point? It was worthless. It was useless. It was a complete waste of time. That would be so tragic to do that. But more tragic still would be to ignore or to fail to see what God is building and to miss out on God's offer to become one of his children. Jesus actually puts this in perspective for us. Look at verse 24, as Jesus keeps explaining. Verse 24, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And Jesus is saying, do the math here. Even if you achieved everything you wanted to achieve in your life, first of all, all that success would have come from God. But second, you've lost. Who cares about gaining everything if you lose your soul? That is a dumb trade. That's what Jesus is saying to us. Instead, see what real success is. Being in God's family. Being in God's family by trusting Jesus to save you and letting the Lord, the Lord who is sending rain on us right now, letting that Lord be the Lord of your life. Be part of what God is building by joining this family, being in the household, being his child. And let me speak to you now. If you would call yourself a Christian, if you would call yourself a Christian, be part of what God is building by building with him, as opposed to sitting back and doing nothing, uh, as opposed to letting go and letting God do the work. There's actually a bit of a paradox here. There's a paradox between these two things. Rely on God and be part of what God's building. How do those two things fit together? They, they kind of seem mutually exclusive, don't they? Uh, we know that God is the one who builds and God is the one who watches over the city. And since God does that and he can't have a success without it, I kind of expected that we'd be told, don't build, don't watch, ask God to do it, 
and watch him do it. Instead, in the song, the builders are building. And Solomon spends years dedicated to building the temple. And the guards are watching over the city. And the parents are doing that thing you do to make kids that I'll tell you about when you're older. Like, they're all actively involved here. And in the New Testament, the apostles hear Jesus say, I will build my church. And then they go out and build the church by telling everybody about Jesus. And more people trust and follow Jesus. There's a paradox to this thing. We rely on God and not ourselves. But that doesn't look like letting go and letting God do it. It looks like getting going and getting to work because God is doing it. It looks like being part of what God is doing and taking action and getting things done and doing things and planning things and doing it humbly and prayerfully and asking God to act and checking if it's God's will. Last of all, last thing if you're a Christian, be part of what God is building by building what God is building, as opposed to building your own kingdom and neglecting his, as opposed to asking God to bless our plans, but never seeking, never working for, never praying about God's kingdom. So what is it? What's the secret recipe for success in life? Rely on God for everything you're trying to do. And also let God reshape and redefine what success even looks like for you so that you're part of what God's building. So that his will and his plans for you are what you give your life to and what you pray about and what you labor at and what you long for and what you celebrate. And I think this is a really helpful, a really timely truth for all of us. Because we all have things that we would love to see. I'd love to see this rain quieten so we could listen. But we all have things we'd love God to do. There you go. Amen. (laughs) Thank you, God. (laughs) I did not do it. God did it. Uh, We all have things we'd love to see, don't we? We, we, Maybe you're struggling with loneliness and you want a solution to your loneliness. Come to God. Uh, Maybe you want to find true and lasting health and joy and wealth. Come to God. Maybe you want to resist temptation and fight sin and finally change. Come to God. Maybe we want to see the people that you love join Jesus' family. Come to God. And maybe you're part of a church that's about to start a new home series where we're trying to raise a million dollars over three years to buy a new home, a new long-term home. Come to God. Because unless the Lord builds it, the builders labor in vain. But if the Lord builds it, not even the gates of death and hell can overcome it. Let's pray. A great Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this truth that you are the one who brings success. Help us to rely on you. Forgive us for the times when we haven't relied on you. And more than that, Lord, help us to be part of what you're building. Thank you that we can be part of your church and be your people. We pray that you'd be the one we live for and love and obey and treasure and worship for the rest of our lives. We pray that you would build your kingdom and that you'd let us be part of that work. And we commit this, Lord. We pray this not so that we get praise, so that we get joy, but so that you get the glory that you deserve. Amen.